Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. What's up, everybody? It's Joe LaPuma. You are listening to the Complex Sneakers Podcast. I have my guys, Matt Welty. How's everyone doing this week? And Brendan Dunn with me. Still here. I know that we usually open up the show with banter and we talk about sneakers. And this week feels different and is different given what's going on in the country. Yeah, I think in times like these, it's important to focus on what's really happening. And what's really happening are there are protests across the U.S. because the police killed George Floyd, because the police killed Breonna Taylor, because Ahmaud Arbery is dead. These are real things that are happening beyond the world of sneakers. So those are important conversations. We want to have our conversations be a part of that conversation. So I think this today is kind of an opportunity for us to have our world and that very important pressing national global issue overlap and talk about it in an honest way and kind of explore that. Absolutely. And what this week has taught me is that we're all used to speaking in leadership positions, being some of the first to speak. What this week has taught me is to sit back and listen to my black colleagues, my friends, and learn from them and learn what support I can lend to them. Not to get too insidery, but Complex held a webinar yesterday, and it was extremely eye-opening for me. I think that coming out of this, to talk about this stuff is one thing, but to really lead change and deliver on change is another thing. And for us who play in such a culture that is so dependent on the black community, now more than ever, our focus has to really shift. I think like over the past week, checking in on people that you know, just having conversations with them and letting them know that you're there for them and just listening to what they have to say has um, just how I've kind of been focusing my time, as well as, you know, using our social platforms to help it spread change and get people to donate to causes. That's all great. But I think a lot of these conversations is where we all kind of to actually enact real changes to kind of focus on them. I think you guys both make good points. I think right now it's so important for us to listen. Look, we're all white. We all know that sneaker culture exists because of black culture. So we would be doing everyone a disservice to not acknowledge that and to not take this time, like Joe said, to listen to the black people in our lives, our coworkers. I want to mention this medium piece that our coworker Shanika Golding wrote Maintaining professionalism in the age of black death is a lot. It's a really important piece, and I think it can help 
for those of us who aren't black to understand in some small way what the people around us are going through right now and how important it is to acknowledge that and to understand that there's this historical generational trauma that people are fighting through as they go to their day jobs, as they see images of police killing black people. So I just think we have to have that top of mind as we go through what we're going through right now. And like Wealthy said, I think just using our platforms to affect some kind of change or to hope to. I'm glad to see people retweeting when we say we've donated to the Brooklyn Bail Fund, Minnesota Freedom Fund. And I think those are important causes, but we don't deserve a pat on the back for that. That's like the bare minimum. So we want to do that and we want to do more. What's the real plan of action? You can't have revolution without revolutionary. So where do things change beyond just reform, like defunding the NYPD bail project, reclaim the block? I'm not an expert. I have been woefully um, derelict maybe in my duties to understand this stuff beyond the current protests because police have been killing black people for a long time. And so to me today, I know you're listening to us talk, but it's really about listening for us today. We've seen a lot this week in terms of the protests and the sneaker stores getting looted. Flight Club was the biggest one, I think, that made the most news. It's something that we're learning about. I feel for them. No one can compare the two situations of a person's life and stores getting looted. I think for us, it's not that the impact of the situation gets lost, but obviously like being that sneakers are such a big part of our lives, it's kind of hard not to also react like emotionally when you see someone that you know personally, they have a business, you know, and it's their whole life and something happened to that. I mean, I've reached out to plenty of people that I know that have posted pictures of like stores getting torched, you know, glass being broken, sneakers getting stolen and checking in on on them as well. Not saying that it's about them, but, you know, something bad has happened to your other friends as well. So I think one of the most surprising things that I found by talking to people who under any other circumstances would be like losing their minds over this situation, how positive a lot of them were through it and i know we've talked about the looting here and on the site but i don't want to ever minimize the bigger issue which is of course the protests which are of course a product of police brutality racial injustice systemic racism so the sneaker part is the looting because that's kind of the most sneaker relevant subject in this all so it's something we have covered but also i don't ever want to lose sight of the big picture and i think Some of those shop owners, despite having their property destroyed or their business destroyed, have also done well to not lose sight of that picture and to realize that you can replace a pair of shoes, but you can't replace a life. Absolutely. Wealthy, um, you tweeted a link to a store that lost everything, right? There was a store in uh, Minneapolis. There's this kid, uh, P-Town Kicks. I don't know if any of you know him. He's kind of become kind of like a, a sneaker personality, and I guess he... He runs kind of like a secondary hand sneaker thing out of his parents' pawn shop in in Minneapolis. And he seems like a good kid. The whole thing got decimated. Someone tweeted at Bobby Hundreds. He had a quote. Someone said, hope your store is okay. Watching the news now and the looting is happening close to your Melrose store. And Bobby replied, "Eh, it'll be fine. It's just a store. Black lives are precious. However, protect black lives. That tweet really was a perfect way to capture how... The main focus is so much more than stores getting destroyed. It kind of sums it up. It's about maybe setting aside a capitalist system and placing more value on the lives that operate in that system. This is going to be a podcast where we'll ask some questions, but I really, again, want to hear and learn 
Our guest on today's podcast has been in the footwear industry for over 15 years. He has built a retail empire boasting over 18 locations across the country and is the owner of some of your favorite sneaker shops like Social Status, APB, Prosper, and Ama Minier. His story is one of true triumph, and he's a leading voice when it comes to the challenges black people face in and out of the industry we all play in. We're honored to get to sit down with the owner of the Whitaker Group, James Whitner, this week and thank him for lending us his time during the current state of the country. Welcome, James. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate the uh, introduction. I, I appreciate you guys for having me and lending your platform to the cause, which is something you guys have always done for me, so I always appreciate it. How are you, man? What's good with you, bro? Just trying to figure it out. Just trying to figure out the right things to support in this time, you know? Yeah, I think uh, I think that's the thing that everybody's trying to figure out, right? Definitely. That's the solve. Mm -hmm. And James, like the biggest thing for me this week is learning in different ways how to support, trying to understand as much as possible, which is our black friends and how they're feeling going through this. So as someone who considers you a friend and someone who is such a leader in this space and who has given his whole career to this there's not a better week for you to be on and to give perspective to our audience, but also to give perspective to us three. To me, I think everything that's happening now is an uprising for everything that's, that's been happening, right? For me personally, you've heard me say it a lot of times. I remember the, one of the first times we had dinner and I was kind of explaining why I am the way I am. I look at police killings as, you know, I, I've seen... I have multiple friends that were killed by the police. You know, it's been happening for so long that people tend not to care about it. And then, I mean, you start looking at places like Chicago where people die every weekend, but no one's, no one's thinking about or thinking into what's making black kids kill black kids, right? No one thinks into those ideas. What's the mass state of those kids? How did they get that way? For me, this incident amplifies both those things, right? Because when people talk about the looting, what they see is kids breaking into things and, and taking their personal property, but they don't think about the privilege it is to even be able to own a business that's insured and how the kids got to have the mentality that they have to think that it's okay to break into and loot those stores. Definitely. And when I called you Sunday, actually, that was the first thing you said that you were wearing two hats. You are a store owner, a store owner whose stores have been looted, but you were also that kid. And you made it clear that you have an understanding of both sides. Yeah, you, you can't not. I mean, the empathy is a part of the solve, right? So when Brennan comes in and says he's trying to figure out what he wants to solve for, right? The first thing we all got to do is look in the mirror at ourselves, right? And, and, and I'm talking to white people, non-black people, not white people. I'm talking to non-black people, right? And think about, and, and not saying that white people didn't have struggles, right? But the difference is, even if you had a struggle, if I'm a white felon coming out of federal prison, I still have my whiteness to lean on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Does that make sense? A white man can clean up, put on a suit, and walk into a, a, a building and get, or, or any company in America and already have a better shot than me if I do the same thing. Does that make sense? 
there's a yeah, there's, absolutely there's that privilege that has to be acknowledged, right? So it all first starts with that empathy. Because when you start there, then you can start saying, like, okay, well, damn, that, that's the first problem, right? How do we level that? So I empathize with the kids who don't have opportunities. And and Joe, I've said this, and I've said this, Brennan, Matt, and, and when I talk to any of you guys, for me, it's about equal opportunity sounds so cliche, right? When you think into what that actually means and how that how that looks, man, in the hood, go to the hood and ask those kids what their opportunity is. There's none, far and few in between. Where I'm from, I'm a superhero. Dudes like me don't exist. Well, why do you think black people clamor for the things that we clamor for? Why do you think the trophies are Louis Vuitton this and a trophy is, I seen Vic, uh, who I love, I seen Vic with the, uh, with the rose the other day on his gram and everybody celebrated his win because for him, that's a trophy, right? Like we're fighting for these trophies, but people don't understand what the plight and the fight looks like. And how do we navigate that? We all play in the space of consumerism. Do you think it's a matter of putting as much energy, more energy into educating the youth on things. It's it's our nature to highlight these things. The biggest thing in the quarantine for sneakerheads was showing off our sneakers. Yes. And then this happens. And if I don't see like another sneaker this week, I'll be happy. So how do we navigate that? You just said it. This week. We have to make character, uh, morals. We have to make that cool. The stuff that we're talking about, if, if this wasn't a news cycle, this conversation isn't cool. This conversation doesn't get you as many hits as, as look at kids talking about Virgil giving $50. Right. Mm-hmm. That's owning news feeds. Right. Like this man is talking about, you know, rather the optics of it, regardless of how it looks. The fact that that's conversation, that's where we're at. The news has to be willing to report on the other things and scale and change what cool and important looks like. If we're celebrating kids in a hood, if we're celebrating no shootings in Chicago, if we're celebrating kids in Chicago crossing lines or kids in hoods crossing lines and kids saying, man, no, I'm not going, I'm not going to drop out of school. We're not celebrating those moments for those kids. All those things happen in silence. Tons of people die in silence every day and no one's talking about it. Definitely. James, you mentioned a conversation you had with Joe early on explaining to him where you come from and what your background is and how you got to where you were. Can you explain to us that journey for you coming into the sneaker retail world and kind of taking over like you have? I mean, in the beginning, it was just what I'm explaining to you guys now. In the beginning was me in Pittsburgh knowing that if I keep doing what I, if if I stay in the streets or even a close proximity to the streets, right? Because I could have stayed at home and change my career, but I'm not going to change my friends or the narrative of what's happening in the city. And I can't control what others think, Hmm. control what I'm doing, but I can't control what others think. Right. Right. So for me, it was saying, okay, I need to change and take this energy and do something else. Right. So I decided to go into North Carolina, North Carolina and do retail. But for me, it was just always hustle. Right. I got tired of hustling. I said to myself, I have to leave Pittsburgh because if I don't leave Pittsburgh, I'm going back to jail or I'm going to end up dead. Mm -hmm. Right. And James, the catalyst for change for you was 
getting shot. 100%. Unless about getting shot, it was more shooting. Okay. Does that make sense? Like getting mm-hmm. shot to y'all, to y'all, to the media, you think like, wow, James had to leave because James was getting shot. Or, or, or somebody in the streets may say, I didn't want no smoke. But the people who was there knows what happened, right? But at the end of it, if I stay, somebody's going to always get frustrated. So it's going to be more shooting. Right. So, so the idea that like, yo, that exists. So it was an easy choice for me to leave, obviously, because I was equipped with a college education. I've been blessed to be a smarter person. So mm-hmm. there's, there's other, there's other, I didn't, most of my friends dropped out of school at eighth grade. I played ball. So I stayed in until 12th grade, which pushed me into college. And all those dudes, I had an, I had an advantage on, on those dudes. They stopped school in eighth, ninth, 10th grade. I moved to North Carolina and I just put it all in. I went in and just learned and leveraged learning. No different than if it, all of y'all had to, to buy a dime bag of weed from somebody in a weird place. That's a weird conversation to have. That's being in retail, right? You walk into these trade shows and you're trying to leverage your personality to get people to like you and understand that you know what you want to do and what you do has value. So for me, it's just been trying to trying to make people understand that my perspective on retail is important. And then once enough people believed it, then it was me shifting to my own perspective. Does that make sense? So to answer, your, to answer your question, it was it was all grounded in me wanting to get away from where I was at, which is why now I'm constantly talking about that, if that makes sense. Definitely. Yeah. James, I think one of the important parts of your story, too, is kind of having this, um, you know, retail big con- conglomerate that you have, all these operations, is that we've spoken about it many times, but you've always kind of looked outside of the major cities where you wanted to go into communities and, you know, help them out that were underserved or didn't have an opportunity to have these things and put your perspective on it. Like, I mean, you're here in Jersey City where, where I'm at, but, you know, you're in Charlotte, you know, you're, you're in Atlanta, you're in uh, cities that normally aren't associated with the kind of pretty cool sneaker culture, but you're bringing that to them. And then when you see communities actually need something like these days, you know, it's like you're right in the middle of serving those people. Well, for me, I've always wanted to respond to the voices, right? And when I started retail, I knew like being from a small town, I knew the things that weren't available to us, but traveling around and having access to the world it was saying like, oh, okay, these things are also important for these people, right? And same, like it's easier, it's easier. I said it to a friend today. It's easier to start in small places because you know you're going to get community support and you know people care differently. In in the big cities, there's so much noise hmm. for for what's happening and why, and in in the messaging around what's happening and why. When you're in a city like Jersey City, that's what Prosper is all about in Jersey City. Yeah. It's about a local Jersey City message and the fact that Jersey City kids are proud to not be from New York and they just want to rep where they're from. We all, for me, it's always been about rallying around and representing a little guy, if that makes sense. I remember the first time 
we shot at Ama Minier in Atlanta. I think it was the Two Chains episode. And I remember you took us all out to dinner and you really, really hammered community, community, and community. And it seems that you have strategically set up your footwear locations in communities like that. And the group of people, I remember the, the table, there's like 15 people at the table and you guys were just really drumming down to us about the community. And in 2016, we interviewed you for Complex. You had nine locations. You have since doubled that. Yeah, but thank you. In, in, in knowing that, it's like, it, it's where, for me, it's where I'm from. So I'm a guy who's used to being in the trenches, right? So mm -hmm. for the community is where the action's at. There's guys who want the bright lights and who, who wants to go to, who, that's not me. I'm a guy who wants to be, touch the kid and be on the corner and understand what the real issues are. And, and honestly, that's a bigger solve for me. I'd rather help kick open the door for those kids who don't have any opportunities than going to go hang out with all the guys who have all the opportunities. I may look cooler doing that, but what are you really affecting? Like, it's really just a whole bunch of people high-fiving themselves to each other instead of opening the door up and providing opportunities for other people. Do you feel like the brands are doing enough to provide these opportunities? Because you, you wrote an op-ed for Complex this week about how you had a pledge to only work with companies who were really serious about helping the black community or pushing for policy reform or dismantling the system that got George Floyd killed, that got Breonna Taylor killed. Do you think that brands are doing enough right now? Absolutely not. That, that, that goes without being said. Brands know they're not doing enough. Mm -hmm. if, if you guys talk to every brand in our industry and any of them told you they were doing enough, you would say they're lying. Mm. It's a rhetorical question. Everybody in our industry, every person, every company is guilty. All of us mm. are guilty, myself included, because even I can do more. And I, into, in comparison to everyone else, I do a lot. But that's because not much is happening. Right. Do you feel like when you saw these brands, you know, issue the statements, do you feel like they were authentic or they were doing it just to kind of say, hey, we have to show face? I feel like they were authentic, but just not enough. Like, it's easy for them to make statements. I think it, I think it really came from a place of them wanting to say the right thing and do the human thing. And honestly, I think white people are scared. They don't know mm -hmm. what to do or how to do or what to do next. They don't know how to take the first step. People are like, what is the first step? What do I say? I don't want to look crazy. Here, here I am saying that everybody who said something is complicit because they're not acting, but most people are not getting any information on how to act, right? Like if you look at what we've done, we blocked out our social media yesterday right. and put nothing but actions that people can do to help be a part of making it all better because people don't know. Have brands, big brands, I know that you constantly talk to them, have they reached out to you during this time for guidance? Yes, we're always talking. Just so okay. everybody understands. I, I wrote an opt-ed. I don't know which one, but this is not my first. This is probably right. third or fourth, right? So this mm -hmm. is the conversation that's been happening because this is probably the what? Gazillion police killing. This is not, yeah. it's mm -hmm. not a new thing, right? It's just the speed of change. No one's moving with urgency. Everyone's moving with the news cycle, right? Hey, listen, we talk, you guys support me 
You support me when I'm doing stuff for the business. You support me when I'm doing stuff for the community. But if you ask yourself, if you got to go back and report it to somebody, you guys couldn't talk about community 24-7 because somebody would say it's not getting enough hits. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. People, people, just, people just tend to want to focus on the things that affect their bottom line. It's interesting, too, you talk about community is the cool thing to talk about right now or right now it's trendy to say that black lives matter but trying to figure out what brands have done before this or have they acknowledged these systems or have we ourselves done enough to like acknowledge the white privilege that we have in these spaces like have you felt for a long way that you've had to fight against racism in the sneaker industry specifically hell yes yeah what does that look like it's frustrating man listen of the sneaker accounts and mm-hmm. luxury fa- well, well there's chris from union yeah mm-hmm. and me on the fashion side as a from a retailer perspective from a sneaker you mean in cat- terms of u.s sneaker stores owned by black men i mean there's others there's leaders there's there's the guys in chicago doing different things but working back with the big brands it's us man yeah. man I, I could sit we could have a whole episode on people blocking me and if you ask me, of course I would say it's black. If, if you talk to somebody from any of the companies, and I won't name, I won't name anyone specifically, but all of them has picked up the phone and heard me screaming on the other end before. What were you screaming about? Yo, being blocked or treated differently or not getting what I deserve based on the work that I'm putting in. I'll say it to all of my peers. And there are some that work hard, right? Let's go to the top. Somebody check Ronnie's Instagram. Tell me how many followers he got. How many followers Kiff got? How many followers we got? Does that make sense? It's a difference. I would say, obviously, he's in New York, bigger audience. There's a lot of arguments we can make. But our team works hard as shit. But the treatment is different. Mm-hmm. And everyone knows it. These are facts. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
I think one of the moments, though, where it was good to see, you know, you kind of recognize was, you know, during the All-Star weekend where Michael Jordan actually like came into your store and it felt more than just, you know, a photo op or anything. It actually felt good to see someone like you connect with someone like that who who means so much to the community. Was that like an important moment of like validation that like brands actually cared or? Well, that's different because MJ does care. And with, with the world caught a photo of a, that's a real relationship, right? That wasn't, yeah. that wasn't a photo op. That was, that's a real relationship. That's someone who I count on as a mentor. That's someone who through my, through starting with the relationship with Marcus has over the years begin to take me in. And if I have an issue with my business, not nothing to do with brand Jordan, completely outside of brand Jordan, life mm-hmm. business issues, He'll lend his voice, conversation, and his his experience. The world just captured that. Right. Yeah, I love that picture because it's so candid. You're not looking at the camera. You guys are looking at each other. It's like a real, real moment where a photo op with MJ goes a lot different usually. Well, because people don't know that part of MJ. People don't know how... I mean, we talked about it some in the interview after it happened, right? And I was... I think that was probably one of my worst interviews because I was asleep in Japan, but wanted to get it done anyway, right? Woke up, <laughs> woke up to get it done and cursed 800 times. But MJ in and of himself, people don't realize how savvy he is, smart he is, and how much of a leader he is. Like, so what people, once again, I'm repeating myself, that's who he is. They, they're used to seeing the guy, you know, the athlete. I don't think they know the man. It's interesting too, because I feel like, I don't know necessarily what your relationship with Jordan Brand is like, but I wonder how different it is to work with them or see that because it's kind of a part within the Nike umbrella that's led by black people that is Michael Jordan, a black man at the head of it. How much does that mean to you? I mean, it's incredible. Let's be honest. When you walk into Nike, you walk into that building, it's it's full of black people. Like Mm -hmm. that's something that the world doesn't know. Like you, you walk into the MJ building and there's black people everywhere. And that was my home. When Nike Inc. didn't believe in what I was building, Jordan Brand did. Okay. Well before, well before my relationship. That's how the relationship with MJ started. Mm. Kerry Connor was overseeing the East and seeing the work that I was doing and thought it would be good for me to meet Marcus. That's how it started. Got it. The, the camaraderie that you get in Jordan Brand, man. It's really happening over there. That's a huge part. If, if you dig into my story and like behind the scenes, that's a big part of it. Frank Cook going to Jordan Brand was a big part mm-hmm. of it, right? Because we had people who were us in the building. Uh, there's so many great people there. Nico Fern, Lemar, Donald, uh, Garen, Gentry, Kerry. Fuck, I could, I could just keep naming there's tons of good black people at Jordan Brand, and I think they feel good because of the name on the building. Mm-hmm. You've been in the industry, as Joe mentioned, at the top of it for 15 years. I would hope that in that time, brands have done more and become more aware about how important it is to put black people in positions of power or make sure that there are black people designing their sneakers or weighing in on their business decisions. Have you seen that shift in the time you've been in the industry? I heard a conversation. I haven't seen the shift. Okay. I think what you just said is becoming a narrative, mm-hmm. which is... Part of I see the narrative a lot. Like you said, it's hard to tell. The narrative is there, but not the action, right? And, and I, think there's, I think there's people who 
who are well-intended to get to an action, right? Which is also the reason why we see an uproar, right? Because we're all on the cuffs of like, man, like at what point do you finally say enough is enough? Right. James, dealing with the stores getting destroyed, for people seeing it, another thing that they're misinformed about, what is the rebuild like? What is the insurance like? There's been so much like misinformation and information that we don't even know. You saw Flight Club Saturday night getting looted and your own stores. What is that process like to rebuild? Because no one really knows unless you're in it. Okay, so I'm not going to simplify it, but I'm, I'm still going to compare it, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to answer your question first. The process is insurance adjuster, they're going to measure the claim. You need to report what was taken and why. There's always an investigation. Because of the situation, that investigation may go faster. And then you have to start rebuilding, right? Okay. But there's also business interruption insurance, right? Every business disclosed, and you should have been business interruption insurance, is going to be paid profit for every day they're closed. Wow. So when you hear me say the uprising and the frustration of these kids is more important than the loss. That's why I'm saying it. Got it. Does that make sense? Like we all signed up for business, wins and losses. Without this uprising, we're not having this conversation. Like no one wants to take accountability for what's happening. The looting is a part of it. It's making it bigger because there's chaos. So now people can't stop thinking about it, right? Because if there was no, if there was no marches, and if there was no uprising, the news cycle would have switched already. Definitely. This week, I think for some of us who work at Complex and cover sneakers, sometimes it's felt trivial to, you know, we've paused on our non-sneaker coverage for a while here, but also we're still in the business of delivering people information and stories around sneakers. When you saw the destruction and you saw the protests, you saw how much the national conversation was about these deaths or these murders. Did you have to ask yourself how you could make a change through sneakers? Do you know what I mean? No, I, I'm not wired that way, though. I think yeah. I, I'm I'm always ready for action. I'm a long-term thinker who's thinking strategically and always thinking about next. So in that moment, while everyone else was saying, whoa, I'm thinking about how do we make action out of this? Mm-hmm. Now that the world is focusing, how do we get actionable results out of this? Which is why the op-ed happened. Because right. I'm not going to lie, I did have a moment on Friday. Okay. Where in that moment on Friday, it all felt heavy. But I had a friend get killed last week too. So it was, Sorry. All, it was all swirling, right? Like, hey, here's somebody that I've known for most of my life that gets murdered. Then you see the Floyd thing and you like, Damn, another one, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not going to hold you. I just thought about I just thought another one, right? I'm, I'm, right. I'm kind of numb to it at this point. When I start seeing the protesting, I got really excited because the protesting is, I love, love seeing, that's the way the young people are supposed to use their voice because we're, mm-hmm. we're not the youngins no more. But seeing right. these youngins get in the streets and march and protest and fill up the streets, that made me happy. Seeing the looting breaks my heart, but it's a part of the process. That's mm. like saying there's going to be war without bodies. Mm. Right? So when you see protests, you already know that there's going to be people for whatever reason that come in and things are going to get damaged. I wish it didn't happen, but there's going to be casualties in it. But I knew my responsibility once all those things were happening was to try to push the conversation forward and hold people accountable to 
all the words that was filling social media. Because what started annoying me was seeing all the, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I'm so-. What comes after you're sorry? Mm-hmm. I tell my kids all the time, don't say sorry if you go and do it again. Or don't say sorry if you're not committed to changing. Definitely. How do you balance, um, you know, wanting to see the change and then also seeing, you know, your friends who are going through a hard time on the retail side there, like people that you care about personally, just as much as, you know, a lot of the other causes. The ones that I care about personally, like really personally, um, I tell the man up, (laughs) Derek Derek from politics, man up. And I didn't even have to tell him the man up. He know what it is. Like, yo, he he knows, he knows the cause. Dion caught me out of the clear blue. Shit, Ronnie texts me. Like, I think everyone knows it's time for us to man up. Everybody know what it is. Like, obviously, there were guys that was doing some complaining, but how could we? We're privileged. How can we complain? Your complaint is offensive to what black people went through for the last 400 years. So hold that complaint. Think about what you're saying before you say it. Because then when you think about it that way, you realize you sound crazy. Like, yo, we've been going through this struggle. And so finally, for a moment, you get some struggle. And the first thing you think to do is complain. Really? Yeah. And I'm sure you're getting a ton of texts and calls to guide other store owners. Yeah. Yes. 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 Does it bother you sometimes? when they call, when this happens, and you don't hear from them throughout the year? Well, I just know what it is. Mm -hmm. I I don't get mad at humans for being humans. I acknowledge that my journey's been different. I got a chance to see a a lot of life at a very young age. And so I'm an old soul for those reasons, right? I've had a lot of experiences. And most people haven't had I used to think it was so messed up that I was going through everything that I was going through. Right. But now where I am, I understand that they haven't been there yet. So I don't get mad at them. I just understand that's where they are. And I I tend to try to love people how they are. Does that make sense? I don't get mad. I don't get mad at anyone. It's just me saying like, yo, this is where you are in your journey. This is where I am in my journey. How can we all now use what's happened to all of us to make life's journey better for everybody? Does that make sense? Totally. Because trying to call somebody out is just like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's pointless. Even the earlier comment when I made comparing Instagram followers and different things, that's not to pick on Ronnie because he's fucking incredible and he's mm-hmm. doing amazing work. Supreme's doing amazing work. But yo, you got you to gotta call a spade a spade sometimes too. I'm not the cool guy. I'm cool to me. I'm cool to the people I'm around. I don't need that level of validation to do what I do. I'm the substance guy. Yeah. I'm the guy. I mean, definitely cool though, in your own way. You know that. Yeah, you know that. Yeah. Yeah. 100. I, yeah. I mean it in the way the kids see cool, right? You, yeah, yeah. You'll never see me doing some of those things. But, and, and not that I don't do them because right. the people who know me could call me out on if I flipped and walked y'all around my house, we would get laughs out of it together, right? I'm into the same shit that everybody else is into, right? But what I'm willing to show the kid. And the message I want to put out to the kid is just different. That makes sense. I think one of the things too, James, is when you know, me and you first spoke in 2016, I don't even know. I think you had like 700, 800 Instagram followers. Yes. You know, like I think I did, like yes. And you, but you owned 
eight businesses or nine businesses at the time. And you've kind of always harped on, you know, you'd rather own 20 businesses than have a hundred thousand, you know, Instagram followers. But that also kind of plays into, I think, what a lot of people have been speaking about with the looting, where society kind of values this sort of, you know, validation of being cool on the internet and having these things rather than, you know, building impact and meaningful journeys in your life. Exactly. Which is why we got to change the conversation to substance. Like we got to get more substantive conversations happening and we got to hold ourselves first as people accountable. And then once we hold ourselves accountable, we got to hold all the companies around us and all the industries around us accountable too. Cause that's the only way we're going to ultimately get anywhere. Do you think it's hard to have those conversations in a sneaker store? No, we've had them. At, that's why Be Social exists. That's why my mm-hmm. community platforms against all of our retail exists. Because when I was at retail working behind a register, that's the shit we used to talk about all day. Mm. That's the real shop talk. Now, it also is because it was my shop. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? I think different people are invested in different things, and, and different people come from different parts of the world. And we're all motivated by different things, right? So some people are motivated by money and women, and some people are motivated by things. I'm motivated by watching opportunities be built and things grow. I think that's the other part of the problem. We have to hold ourselves accountable to making the kids behind us value more than just things. As a black man who is constantly calling for change, who's driving it in our industry, and a store owner... How are you balancing that now, just dealing with COVID and what is going on this week? All right. I mean, shouts out to my team. I have an amazing, amazing, amazing team. So it's a balance, right? Before you guys, it was was calls with brands. Before that, it was calls with our internal team because I decided to get on the op-ed and put out a date. So what are we going to deliver on that date, right? June 19th, right? Yes. What's the Whitaker Group going to deliver on that date? How can we lean in? Because before that op-ed, I sent an email out to all of our partners. Yo, what's up? What are we doing? That makes sense. Like how can the sneaker all, brands? Yeah. How can we all get together and change the world? Right. Because ultimately, this is bigger than me. It's my. I, I'm. It, I'm just trying to be a conduit to help it all get done. Does that make sense? So without my team, I can't do those things. I got. I have a retail team. We have a team that does community. We have a team that works on internal operation. I have a team that works on studio, studio design. We have a team that works on e-commerce design. We got a team that works on logistics. So I got, I got a team of 200 people to support me. What do you want to get done? Because I think that for a lot of people, and we spoke about this earlier on, it's just this idea of we don't know what to do or what's the cost to support or what's the way to rearrange or destroy the system. The first thing I want to make people think about white privilege and racial injustice, the same way they're thinking about eating good, doing yoga. It has to be Mm. a part of us being better humans, right? Like we have to all acknowledge that black America and white America is not kumbaya. We're not all on the same page. The, 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 The playing field is not equal. Call a spade a spade. Then make it a part of each of our individual daily activity to think about how we can make things better for each other, right? That's the first thing. That's that's the human thing, right? 
Once we do that, then it's about even in the playing field, right? A lot of it's about poverty, black and white poverty, right? Because there's white people that I grew up with that is doing just as bad as some of the black people I grew up with. The only difference is they have the privilege. They just don't know how to use it. Does that make sense? So then it's about education, voting, prison reform. Because once you start putting black families back together and families in general back together, people have a better life. Once you have education, it starts opening up all of your income opportunities, right? Those few things can shift the world because that's going to start to inform smarter people are then going to say, which the, the more educated you get, the more the word accountability starts to mean something to you. That's when voting kicks in because then we don't vote for the people who are sitting in office, right? Mm-hmm. Smart people don't do that. Either they're greedy. Let's think about the people who, who made that voting choice. You're greedy, right? Or you're racist. And maybe there's something that I'm missing, right? Maybe, maybe you hated Hillary Clinton so bad, or maybe you hate some of these other people so bad that you make that choice. But you start like that, that can't be an informed decision when you start clicking objective boxes on what are the pros and cons. Hmm. Look at what we got. James, you seem like right now you are mentoring a lot of people. Who do you consider your mentor? Mm. That's a good question. Because now I have, I have access to a lot. I try to get monthlies with a lot of people. And none that I want to call out because I don't want to name drop anyone. Okay, but I'm sure that list is pretty impressive. <laughs> but, but now I'm in a place... I'm in a place where we already talked about MJ, right? That's out there. Yeah. So I, right. I, I, I'll bug him for a monthly. Um, Since we're talking about Jordan, can you explain real quick your connection to Marcus Jordan and Trophy Room? Marcus is my brother. That's like, I don't, I don't look at it like mentor, mentor anymore. I look at it. Mm. I look at him the same way I look at him. But if you know me and we rock, it's how we grew up, right? Once I rock with you, I don't really do friends as family. You know what I'm saying? Mm. When I rock with you, I rock with you. It's whatever. Like if, so with Marcus, I'm invested in him as much as he's invested in him. But mm-hmm. if, if he, there's a dynamic, listen, he, he's, he's the greatest athlete on earth's son. So there's, so there's a dynamic. Right. <laughs> right. There's this thing that he's trying to shake. And there's this huge shadow that him, Jazz, Jeff, and, and the other kids have to live under, which, which are their father. So for me, it's just trying to help him accomplish his dreams his way. Mm-hmm. That's it. And I, I'm invested into it as much as he is. You hear a lot of times when, you know, boutiques will say that once they finally get a collaboration with a the brand, they feel it's like a validation f- for them th- to like the, all the hard work comes out that you get your own shoe. You know, you've, you've done a Jordan six, you've done, you know, projects with the, with Adidas, you did the air force one last year, which felt like a big thing. Do you Was feel like, thing. yeah, but do you feel like working with the brand validates what the work that you put in, or you don't need that to validate, you know, your efforts. Let's look at the world. Less about what I need. It's more about what, how the world perceives. Leverage and validation is not a personal thing for me. It's about how the world and the consumer perceives it. Does that make sense? Because if the world worked without validation, technically speaking, the message that I've been pushing out for the last five years around change would have happened already, right? Because my work on its own would have pushed me there. So I can't say I don't need their validation, right? And I would argue that any of those were collaborations outside of, outside of the Air Force One. 
right? The Art Basel, we get no credit for. We launched that shoe. The Six, there wasn't a logo on that shoe. We So we've done tons of shoes. None of them had a logo from Nike Inc. until the Air Force One last year. But the Air Force One is fucking good. Thank you. <laughs> Let's not... <laughs> Real briefly, some lighthearted sneaker talk. This is how you know that Air Force One is so good. The smell. But see... The smell. See, that's, it, it takes, it takes the, that, that's the detail on projects. That, and, and I wish I would get in trouble for showing y'all what's on the table in front of me. But that, <laughs> that's where, that's where I, I love guys who know sneakers. When you make the subtle changes around material and those are collaborations because we, we got a chance to really get in. The and, olfactory sensation. Yeah, and, and that's the part of the business where it's, it's two parts of me, right? It's the part that geeks out over product right Mm -hmm. in in messaging and storytelling around product and it's the part of me that geeks out around community that's pretty much Mm. me (laughs) like i do three things i do for my kids and family product community that's my whole existence that's my literally my whole life i'm I'm lying i'm lying there's another part designing space i get off on space you have the hotel too in dc which Uh, is like the whole experience wait till you see the new one i'm building oh my god (laughs) We're building from we're building from the ground up eats in like six suites and retail and community rooftop terrace, just community space and vibe. It's community, party, product, it's it's that whole thing in one where you could go and be around the right people to have the right conversation. There's nothing better than you've been in the you know the parties where they're not the pack party, it's the right party. Everything's curated. All everything feels like it was placed there perfectly, but it really wasn't planned that way. I'm creating that in Atlanta. Speaking about the right party and the right discussion, he was in New York, I think, for a day taking meetings. And me, him, and my uncle Don went to Del Frisco's, and we had. <laughs> oh man, what, that was one of the. When was this? This, uh, this was what, a year and a half ago, two years at this point. But it was so. It was like a text message. I was like, "Yo, I'm at this place. Come, me and my uncle," and we had such a great discussion. And that's the thing. You're so behind the scenes, but the discussions you have in a small group like that—not the biggest room, but the right room. Yes, for me, it's all about the right room. That's my whole personality. It's not everybody. It's just the right things that create the impact. If that makes sense. And trying to get the kid, that's my hope for all of this. My hope for all of this is that the kid starts looking at, look at the evolution of Jay-Z, right? Of turning into, this is a dude that's a billionaire. But look at his evolution and how he's changed and his messaging and how as he gets wealthier, his ability to message changes. What happens if we get Travis to start thinking about that level of messaging, right? I can't change him. I don't even really know him, right? But what happens if that becomes 15% of his conversation to these kids? Game changer. Forget it. I think too, it's like, you know, talking to you in the past, one of the things you've kind of messages, how much like, like talking about that, how much like evolution and growth you've had in your own spaces where I think you said you started off, I think it was uh flavor factory right. was the, the first store. And you were like, I want to kind of step beyond just the average, you know, sneaker store in Charlotte at the time. And you want to 
elevate not just your store, but you want to offer better things to the community, I think is how you worded it. Like how much has that been something you focused on going from that to something like Amamanier, which is viewed as like one of the most high-end sneaker stores in the country? It's constant because to me, Amamanier should be able to partner with SpaceX. It's constant. It's constant. Like, so that's the part that I geek out about at work. The the experience, there's no boundaries in my mind. Like, I don't see boundaries. I don't see, like, if you ask me, like, space and opportunity, Bezos, watch out. (laughs) Right? In my mind. Right? Because it's like, Bezos happens on scale. Bezos happens if if, if product catches at the right time and scale catches at the right time. It's not Mm -hmm. that Amazon is that much better. It's that as Amazon got market position and got scale, right, he got wealthy. So for me, it's about you start thinking about how can I push our industry and then what what walls do we need to break down to continue to, to scale our message and grow our culture and make our culture world culture. Right. Because ultimately, we know these demonstrations is showing us that the world is changing and these kids are messaging different because it's just not black kids protesting. These are black kids, white kids, all kids. Right. Street culture, kid culture protested. Right. What happens when that way of thinking starts to grab the corporate world? Definitely. Two things are going to happen. The corporate world is going to resist and then those kids will become activist entrepreneurs, multiple kids will begin to scale their idea and they're going to wash out the old way of thinking. Before we end, I have to ask, knowing MJ and having conversations with him, when we saw The Last Dance, we saw his charisma because we never get to see him talk that much. Were you watching it being like, yep, that's him? That was all fan. <laughs> okay. I was, how could you not? You're, you're in awe. Like, listen, we're all in awe of what he's been able to do like like he is he's the goat of not just basketball he's probably the goat of culture mm. he's the amazon of our culture yes. like mm. when you start thinking about that jordan only gets credit for the 4 billion in sales they get nike gets credit for the 40 billion in sales they get no one's accumulating the total industry because if they did technically that's attributed to him in a large way, if that makes sense. Nike's successes. Yeah, I'm in all that myself. Yeah. In your meetings, does he have moments like the glove moment? Is there instances like that where you're like, that's my guy? Yeah. No, listen, when when sitting there in person and he gets excited yeah. and he starts telling a story, man, you sitting there on the edge of your seat because it switches from, because, you know, it, it's, it's, it's it, not to say that it becomes normal, but... It becomes talking, you're talking to a regular person about how you interact about regular yeah. things. But then when he clicks and goes into like, you know, that excited mode, it's, you can't not get it. excited. I love it. <laughs> he's like, come on, man. Absolutely. Like, like let's, let's, never, let's never forget who he is. What's the most important thing he's told you in a conversation or the biggest takeaway that you've had from your talks with him? The reason we get along is because he's he's passionate. He's passionate about doing things the right way. And I think he realized really early on that I am too. I'm super passionate about getting things done and doing things the right way for the right reasons. Nobody can ever say James Whitner is not passionate. Every single conversation I've ever had (laughs) with this man. (laughs) Yeah. So I think he loves, and he's never said it, but that's probably one of the things that he loves. So the things, the thing that I've taken away from him 
is like, yo, after I met him the first time, I said, yeah, I can see I, if I played with that dude, everybody's getting better. <laughs> mm. <laughs> he, he's a guy, he's a guy that you're going to naturally get better around. He's, he's, a, he's the son in that way. Anything that comes close to him or he allows to get close to him is going to get better. And I think that's why you see a lot of the success around his brand and his aura, if that makes sense. Definitely. Definitely. James, I know it's been a crazy week for you. I can't thank you enough for being a guiding voice in this industry, but you are guiding us and holding us accountable. We have learned so much, and I hope that the audience listening to this has learned so much. Thank you, guys. And once again, thank you for the platform. And I'd ask to just keep pushing the narrative. Even once it slows down, please continue to push the narrative. Thank you, James, man. We appreciate it so much. Like This is a sneakers podcast, but we always know that there are bigger things happening in the world. So it's, you know, it makes us uncomfortable, but it's so important to get on here and to talk about white privilege or to talk about Black Lives Matter or to talk about the fact that Trayvon Martin is dead. Mike Brown is dead. Tamir Rice is dead. Breonna Taylor is dead. So to have you on here and to to be able to talk about that in some way through sneakers and just to listen to your voice and listen to what the black people around us are saying, that's been really important. So thank you for that. No, thank you. Thank you. Literally, I can't have a voice without you guys amplifying it. So I really appreciate you guys amplifying my voice. We're looking at June 19th as well to come up with some plans. So we took that op-ed to heart. I appreciate it again. And once again, thank you for having me on. Take care. Stay safe, James. Our producer is Shiva Bayet. Sound engineering done by Kyle Garvey. Special thanks to Dave Matthews and Jennifer Stewart. The Complex Sneakers Podcast is part of the Complex Podcast Network. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.